This is episode 51 of Brick and Data, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. We cover trending retail headlines, interview some of the biggest players, surface game changer technologies, and explore how retailers are surviving and thriving. Today, as our special guest, we have journalist Barbara Thau. So let me tell you a little bit about Barbara. Barbara Thau is a longtime reporter editor specializing in the retail sector and the consumer economy with coverage extending to business industries ranging from fashion, beauty, and home to hospitality and real estate. She is currently a contributing retail writer for Forbes.com for which she writes the Minding the Stores column. Her work has appeared in CNBC, Fortune, the New York Daily News, among other media outlets. Barbara also works as a content writer-editor, producing thought leadership pieces, reports, white papers, blogs, and eBooks on a cross-section of business industries for corporate clients such as Microsoft, Zebra Technologies, and IBM. This year, Barbara was named to the list of people shaping retail's future by the National Retail Federation, which awarded her the 2018 Influencer Award. Well, all I could say to you is we're very happy and glad to have Barbara on our show. So welcome, Barbara. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for that lovely intro. I'm glad to be here. Thanks, Barbara. So <laughs> it's exciting. Um, as a reader of your articles, uh, I, I've been following your work for many years, and I'm very excited to, to have a conversation that today uh, will focus on a lot of what what you have written about and talk about. And today we'll we'll, we'll talk specifically about two articles that you wrote, which concentrate on two distinct but very related topics. And we'll talk mostly about the in-store experience, and Amazon's marketplace. So let's start with the in-store experience. I mean, what what are retailers today doing to create an exceptional in-store experience and, and, and why are they doing this? Well, yes, I will start with the why. Um, as we all know, the retail landscape has been upended by I think it's a $3.2 billion global e-commerce market. Uh, so which, which that, what that means is retailers, consumers have a choice like they've never had before. It's sure. an embarrassment of riches at their, finger trips, at their fingertips. So the in-store experience must be more or must enhance. It must be more convenient than shopping online. And, I mean, I would argue it's not an either-or. Shoppers still like to go to the store. It's just a matter of the infinite choice that they have online um, means that in-store retailers need to up their game or, and, or bring something that's of added convenience uh, or service to the equation. So that's, that's, um, that's the backdrop of what's happening. Um, and just in terms of use of, of what, what that really means, while technology, there's been a lot of talk about technology's bells and whistles and retail and but you know so much of where technology will be additive or, or has has been additive thus far 
um, in changing the in-store experience to make it to appeal to modern shoppers has really been about the stuff that is not going to sound so sexy. Sure. Uh, the faster, easier shopping experiences that really address long-time pain points, like the wait in line, which we all still hate and still very much a part of retail, right? Exactly. <laughs> Such a, an addition to not being able to find an item sure. in a store. So these are some of the these are some of the the uh, the the technology that's working behind the scenes. Sure. To 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 update the in store experience. Yeah. No. No. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, in terms of you're right. I mean, a lot of the pain points are pain points that have been there for the longest time and haven't, you know, been solved for, if you will, and are very frankly annoying, like not being able to find something in your size uh, and not knowing who to turn to because sometimes there isn't a who anymore. It's just uh, you're on your own. And so this is where tech technology uh, may, may play a, an interesting role. So. Absolutely. With that in mind, can you talk about what some of the technology that's being used in store that's designed to enrich the overall customer experience? Right. Uh, so we're seeing much of the, you know, we'll start with struggling to locate an item in a store. Um, this, you know, out of stocks cost retailers something like $238 billion a year. Wow. Which is huge, yeah. And it's the kind of thing that really, as we all know, as you just mentioned, really um, imperils shopper loyalty. There's There are statistics that point to a shopper, shoppers who don't come back when it's, when it's chronic at a retailer. If you can't find something and there's nobody there to help you. So, you know, so much of the, of the, of the um, technology that's, that retailers are turning to is inventory optimization in real time, knowing where your inventory is at any given time in the supply chain. So while that doesn't sound sexy, it is can be game-changing in terms of a being able to find inventory in a store for the for the and being able to optimize your merchandise assortment you know just essentially stocking shelves and and, sure. and so it's, so there's two ways that people are there's several ways that retailers are going about this which is upgrading to seamless what they call seamless connected uh omnichannel supply chain technology systems that can that where where the retailer can see where their merchandise is at any given moment. In addition, um, there's the the assisted selling technologies that they're equipping their store staff with, so that you know handheld devices that a store associates can find for the for a shopper on the spot. If it's like, listen, I can't find this, you know, twelve size twelve blouse. Pulling up that handheld, let me find it for you. Up, oh, we have it in stock. I'll go get it. It's in the stock room. Up, oh, we don't have it. It's at this store. Sure. And we'll, you know, we'll order it for you. With it. we'll we'll waive the shipping because we don't have it. So it's the, the it's the little things that are the big things in many ways. Sure. Um, and I had a question for you in terms of uh, the second one, the, this uh, assisted technology in store uh, by a sales associate. Um, do you think that there will be more competition where customers will want to find, use their own phones and apps to find 
their own things? Or will this always be something that um, is, let's say, guided, if you will, by sales associates? I mean, that's not a bad question. That's an interesting idea. I mean, you know, I, I can imagine it going, well, first let's get this right, right? Retailers are not even doing this yet. So <laughs> before you're going to turn a, a, store, a customer into a slash their own sales associate, go, go dig in a stock room and find that, to- um, you know, I, the retailers still have a way to, ways to go to, to create real inventory, what they call inventory visibility, uh, the you know the, the what is it a single form a single source of truth meaning yes. <laughs> meaning where we you know this is where what we have at our 500 stores at any given moment you know so that's its own big undertaking uh, in and of itself. Hmm. And that makes sense, right? Because if you think of the idea of a single source of truth, I think part of the reason that there are let's say currently for many retailers, multiple sources of truth is simply because of the way that they were structured, right? Retailers were built to be physical, not digital or seamless, if you will, as you said. And so in order to be seamless, you can't be siloed. And if they're traditionally siloed, uh, then it's harder to have that single source of truth where the online, I mean, there were, there was a time, and I think this still holds true for, for some retailers, where there's separate divisions when you look at the online and offline. And Absolutely. That, that's, that's hard then to build the single source of truth. I mean, I think publicly at least, it wasn't until two years ago that even Macy's um, had this initiative to have one merchant oversee a product category both online and offline which sounds kind of hard to believe, but that that was the state of affairs. And I think that there are other companies that have uh, followed suit, but it, it's still in, let's say, a work in process, if you will. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that the retailers don't often say so clearly that there isn't, you know, they were saddled, you know, traditional retailers, which were by definition stores, were saddled, have been saddled with these 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 legacy systems that were built pre era of the digital economy. So it, all that's meant to try to to update their systems and to, you know, working with these lumbering, outdated systems and, 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 and adapting to a growing online business that has been, like, as you said, siloed, has been a challenge. Uh, so that's still a work in progress, and it's still ongoing. I mean, I would argue if we could add one thing, you know, there, sure. I talk about, you know, the unsexy stuff. There's one sexy thing that's really, <laughs> that's happening. That, Tell us. That, that hasn't <laughs> been in, the, it's not in this story, but it's, it's, you know, one of the, one of the areas that um, technology that's kind of a little futuristic and space age sure. is really seems to, there's potential, let's put it, let's put it that way, to be game changing. And, and that's in the whole area of augmented reality and particularly for home goods. So uh, furniture retailers, I think, you know, attention must be paid when the biggest furniture retailers are really investing in it. And, and I would argue it's, it's, it's not just a, you know, showy bells and whistles initiative. It is solving a long-time pain point, and that is buying big-ticket furniture, which is number one, expensive, and it's a commitment. Number two, you can't try it on. <laughs> I can try on a you know, 10 blouses, but I can't try on that couch in my living room. So augmented reality, which 
and people, you know, uh, retailers are going about this in different ways, is offers the potential to see a chair, you know, via the magic of digital technology sure. or a couch or whatever in my home without having without buying it and testing it out at scale. So we're seeing retailers like IKEA, Macy's is tra- tra- um, going about this, um, the, on the Wayfair, who are really investing in a lot of them. A lot of this technology is around apps, so you can download an app and test out that 3D rendering. So that's important, 3D. Not not all of them are doing it in 3D at scale, at accurate scale in your home to see how it might look in your space before buying. Why this is a big deal is because it's addressing a long time pain point and there's been already, you know, there's we're still in the in the in the beginning stages of this, but already there's been um proof of return on investment and the just the difference between shoppers who are who have tried out, you know, the virtual product in their home tend to it, it boosts conversion rates and and so this is really an interesting development in technology where um, I mean we'll see what happens but it's it's a it's a substantial solution to a long time problem it sounds that way and it, and it sounds magnificent I can't wait to get get my hands on, on an app to see the the 3d right right visualization it, it's it, that's it sounds to, to me like what you're saying is not only is it um, cool but uh, more importantly, it is actually useful. <laughs> exactly. Because sometimes, and, and see, I, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say sometimes we see technologies that that seem cool, but then you're like, okay, what pain point are you really solving for? And it's like, mm, no. <laughs> and exactly, that's, <laughs> and I think that that's what, by definition, it's solving for a existing real problem. Particularly when you think about the investment that home for, that furniture is. In terms of you know the 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 the, the ticket the, the the price point, yes, uh, and overcoming that hurdle to purchase. Exactly, exactly. And to your point, I mean, especially with furniture, right? Uh, that uh, a lot of times, right? As I I play this out in my mind, uh, when I were when when I was out in the market looking for a couch, I'm trying to figure out how how would this look uh, in this particular space. Um, and without having it at home, it's hard to figure out, right? You, you could kind of, you, you have to look at it and imagine it. And now it seems like you don't have to imagine as much uh, because exactly. it's modeled for you um, beforehand so that you could make a more informed purchase once you, once you make a decision. Exactly, yes. And Wayfair, for example, is so, is so bullish on this technology that they're investing, in other words, you know, and we're seeing other retailers toying with this too. But you know, the catalog, all the pictures that are shot up, we see online are, are actual digital photos. Well, what, we, what Wayfair is doing, you know, Wayfair is actually the biggest furniture retailer online. Um, is 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 uh, over time making sure that every image? Uh, I think they have something like, don't quote me, but ten thousand product images is really a digital rendering. So sure. that so that the shopper can see that product from all different angles at accurate scale, as opposed to two dimensional, which is not really give a set feel for how that would look in your home. 
Um, so that's that. That's the, that's. So we'll see how that works. Um, if that is indeed the how furniture will, it could very well change furniture retailing. It sounds that way, right? It, it certainly sounds that way. I wish I had that when I was a few years ago looking for for a couch. It would have probably made my life easier. <laughs> right. So, cha- changing gears a, a bit, let, let's uh, talk about uh, another article that you recently wrote, um, uh, and it talks about Amazon Marketplace. And so, in this article, you have a quote um, where it says that Amazon Marketplace accounted for 42% of the company's commerce arm in 2017, up from 24% in 2010 which is yep. pretty incredible um yeah so why is this third-party platform uh strategically important for for retailers excuse me for third-party players many of which are smaller retailers you know amazon is oh, the amazon's retail business generated 178 billion dollars in revenue last year so let me just pause. A hundred and seventy-eight billion. Wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. that's. I, 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 I need. I say more. <laughs> no. Uh, they are the. They are. The My nation. jaw just dropped. <laughs> I know. I know. It's not. It's a. It's a number that's hard to digest. Uh, and you know that's an estimate. So you figure about how much of that, forty-two percent of that. In other words, that's not obviously the one hundred seventy-eight billion billion includes the. Um, Includes the third-party business, which I don't believe they break out. So, if you add, that's an estimate. It's a 42 percent. You can do the math. It's a lot. It's a big, it's a big sales grab for third-party sellers. It's a huge audience. Not to mention the, um, you know, the, the Amazon Prime, the membership, Amazon's membership. They finally released how big their membership base is. It's a hundred million people. <laughs> wow! So who doesn't want a hundred million shoppers, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I need. I, I don't even know what else to say. It's just this a strange phenomenon that is Amazon. Then they are in their own category in terms of scale and 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 their hand on the consumer in a way that really other retailers, even Walmart. You know, Walmart is the nation's biggest, the world's biggest retailer, but not when it, when it comes to um, e-commerce, they're a fraction of of Amazon's uh, audience base. Yes, yes, and, and it's interesting that you know this statistic with Amazon Prime members, right? Uh, it that was deliberate when Bezos announced this a few weeks ago, right? He he just doesn't announce things just because, right? It, that there's always a reason, and I think. It had a signaling effect to say to the market, hey, guys, this is what we have, and this is why we are important, and so pay attention to us and no one else. At least that was the the message I'm getting. I'm not sure if that's the same read um, you got when he made that announcement. No, I think you're you're spot on because it was almost like this, you know, this quiet, wondering for years and then it came like wow you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what it is like oh, we think it's this we think it's that and then like the build-up and then he said it and you know 
and it was like with that commercial, what was it, when it echoed and echoed, I can't remember, there was a commercial that, so, um, yeah, who knows, maybe he wanted to get to a certain number before the big reveal happened, I don't know. Yeah, but. yeah, and and often, you know, in, on the Brick and Data podcast, we're always talking about Amazon, because we're always, they're, for a big company, they have a lot of surprises. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A lot of a lot of drama. Yes, you, you never really know what they're cooking up when all of a sudden you hear, "Oh, by the way, they've been experimenting with private label now for quite some time." And they, I have... know. And then it's like we have seventy private labels. What? Are you kidding me? Where'd that come from? Exactly. Exactly. Or oh, by the way, we're looking for a new headquarters, and then it becomes right. this whole not just yeah. It becomes a national drama. Oh, national headquarters. Who, right. Who's going to – let's see what the mayors – what crazy things mayors or governors of states are going to do to try to get Amazon's business. <laughs> you know, they're all courting them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah and they then, really – Yeah, I'm sorry. You're saying they really – No, that's right. I'm disagreeing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because th- then if you look at uh, – now we're th- at least sticking on, on you know that, that point. It, it's – they're trying to figure out, okay, what are the contending cities for the headquarters and what are those cities now going to do for Amazon and who's going to win? And is it going to be Canada maybe? <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so I just say that to go back to the to the Amazon Prime members. For the longest time, we were wondering, well, how many people are there really? And then the other thing is that now they have a captured audience. So now if you also remember a few weeks ago – they increased the subscription fees for yeah. Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Yep, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. I mean, Amazon loyalists, you know, I, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't know what the statistic is, but I'm, I, I'd be curious to see how many people dropped off after the subscription went up. I, my guess was not that many. I mean, as a general proposition, Amazon has a little bit of a higher income de- demographic. Um, than like a Walmart, you know, for example, in terms of um, average income, and they buy, they they essentially buy more, and then I think that, what is it that something like twice I can get the statistic. There's something like um, Amazon Amazon Prime members I think buy twice as much online as the average consumer. Something along those lines. Let's wow. just say they buy more. Wow. They buy more. Well, let's not say twice, but they definitely buy more. So. It's like this drug. It's sort of like they say when Amazon is Amazon Prime is the gateway drug to online shopping because <laughs> once you have it, you just buy. And there's that. And another interesting thing, not to which is related, is I just wrote something that went up on Forbes yesterday. You know, with the with the acquisition of Whole Foods, uh, they have this base of brick and mortar stores in which to to spread their wings through their through their programs. So now they're offering discounts to Amazon Prime members. They've expanded their discounts to Amazon Prime members in in Whole Foods stores. So it started with a test in Florida Whole Foods stores where Amazon Prime members could use their um in in Florida stores could use their Amazon Prime discount. Now it's in 121 Whole Foods stores and there's something like 400 and something Whole Foods stores. So in, in all these Whole Foods, in many of these Whole Foods stores, I should say, Prime members can use their discount. So that's what's very interesting about that is that 
you're starting to 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 whet the appetite of Whole Foods shopper, shoppers with their prime with their prime membership. Sure. Um, and and also, you know, what raises the interesting question is to what other retailers might they want to partner with to do just that? Because what retailer wouldn't want a piece of Walmart's a hundred million dollar prime membership base, right? Sure. So this is just an interesting. We'll see where it goes. I mean, it might not go that way, but it, it, we'll see how. It, it might, it's just an interesting thing to watch to see how and if that prime drug spreads within other retailers with these unusual partnerships. Sure. No, no, no. That, that absolutely. With what you're saying, I mean, if if you think about it, it's almost like what they've done is. Um, so if you look at some of the um, studies done by consulting companies, which have said that the more selling channels um, a company has, the higher the likelihood um, of purchase and the higher the purchase price generally someone will have. So for example, concretely, if you have online um, as a selling channel, physical stores as a selling channel, if you have mobile as a selling channel, there's a high likelihood that you'll buy and you'll buy more. Right? Absolutely. No question. Omnichannel shoppers spend more. Exactly. Single channel channel shoppers. So so if you take that concept, what what you're saying with Amazon, the prime subscription because it offers you so many other benefits and avenues to let's say uh spend with Amazon um as a subscription prime subscription member, then there's a higher likelihood that you'll probably um spend more which would get us to that roughly almost twice as much uh two 2x number that you talked about earlier roughly right absolutely absolutely yes and that's and that's um and once you get them in the store which is your you know your it's like it's like what you said it's kind of like this um it's self-generating buying machine you buy online you get them in the store you make an impulse purchase you become loyal you you know you it's it's uh this kind of feedback of shopping or hope that's that or that there could be that let's say yes that's the theory behind it yeah yeah because if if i think about it and full disclosure okay i i uh i'm um let's say prime subscriber uh i'll 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 purchase okay i i will purchase a book for the beach let's say right so i'll get my book chances are if i were the average uh prime subscriber i probably would purchase a couple Um, because it's not really (laughs) cost-effective, at least from the Amazon standpoint, to purchase one. But let's assume I purchased just one uh, for the weekend trip. Then uh, I'm like, oh, uh, maybe. Uh, Look at this movie that they recommended. I didn't have a chance to see that. Uh, I'll rent it. So I'll pay $3.99 for the rental. I didn't expect to even watch that movie, but because it's something that just pops up, Came you up might suggestions, right? Right. <laughs> then it's like, oh, they're also telling me that I actually should uh, reorder that muesli that I can't find except at the local organic store, and they actually have it at a good price. So I might buy a box of six. And here, I go in to buy my book, and they've got me for a movie and a reorder on dry goods that I would have bought anyway. But I just gave them more business than... <laughs> you gave them exponentially more business. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It's a perfect example. 
And that's that, that's that's really fascinating because as I'm thinking about um, customers, you know, I, I'm just one, and I, this is partially true what I just said. But if if this holds water across those hundred million members, wow, <laughs> we could easily get. Yeah, it makes sense how they get up to that hundred. Hundred seventy-eight million dollars. Obviously, not all Prime subscribers um, are right. contributing to that, but they contribute a, a nice portion of the revenues. Oh, absolutely! And it would be really interesting to know, and I don't know if that figure is out, how much of the Prime. Well, I, I know that there's been that, that Prime is something like, I you know what percentage that is of of their of their retail business is Prime. Hmm. A lot. Yes. Well, hopefully. We'll, we'll have Jeff come out and you know make some other announcement. Give us some more crumbs right. of <laughs> Amazon. Right. We'll all be waiting. What is he going to say? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like waiting for that. That Godot. waiting for Jeff. <laughs> waiting for Bezos. Exactly. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And then, you know, ta- talking about the, the the marketplace. I mean, there are benefits. Right, um, for selling on Amazon, right? I mean, like, what, what do you see as like the maybe key benefits, maybe of, of selling there? Well, I mean, you have that. But once again, you have this huge audience there for the taking. You know, there's the there's the 178 billion in revenue that they generated. There's that. There's 100 million Prime subscribers. There's that. Um, I mean, it's just this. It's an un, It's a. It's this huge platform with. With a with an with a ready audience, so and there's no when you think about uh, there's no the second to that in terms of a marketplace they are the biggest marketplace in the U.S. online uh, and there's also you know but there's also the concern of over brand of brand equity and this is why you haven't seen the big retailers rush to Amazon. You know, you see Test, you see, you know, we, we see some partnerships, Nike, and got a lot of attention because, you know, there's obviously the issue of brand control and and Amazon maybe being, quote-unquote, inspired sure. by the retailers. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. then coming up with their own private label that sort of kind of was inspired by a retailer's private label. or So there's the brand control, there's the, you know, um, diluting your brand equity. There's the, the, that's, these are all big concerns. Uh, that that sellers have to to weigh. Yes, exactly. No, because it, it's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, as much as there are benefits, uh, for every benefit, there's a potential downside, right? That you kind of have to weigh weigh out as a retailer what what would benefit you, what may not benefit you, and um, it, it it varies, right? right? It, it's different for every every type of retailer since they're, they're all, you know, not every retailer is alike. They're, they're all different. Everybody thinks that um, just because it, they're competitors, right, that they're similar, for example. So let's say uh, mm-hmm. Nordstrom and uh, Saks, but they're very different. <laughs> we know they're exactly. very different. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, and I think that there's something, you know, the Amazon is not as much as they're efficient and they're, and they're um they have a they have a machine that's really unprecedented in the world of, of online shopping. They're not they're not merchants that are known for their merchandising finesse. So, you know, you're, Amazon is not known for romancing product online and 
and and this is this is an issue when with particularly with certain product categories as you know but to be a fashion and apparel and and how you want your brand to be represented how you want your brand to be found sure. on the site what does that means so these are big these are big considerations yes well, which is actually has always been one of uh, amazon's weak points right because yeah. they're sorry you were saying no, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because they've their biggest, at least, weak point is we think of them as a retailer, but it's only a, you know, it's only a portion of their business that is retail. I mean, they they do other things that are maybe related, but not necessarily retail. They're they're primarily, if we were to put them in um, a, a bucket, they would be a tech company. Primarily, right? Yes, retail is just one of their. I mean, they're they're in movie production. Yes, they're in. Uh, you know, they have web services. They have a huge cloud business. They're yes, retail is. They're not garmentos. They're not old school retailers. Um, and that that is that is a consideration. And it's and they're uh, they've been very good with commodity products. It seems. Yes, and that's why certain you could see, you kind of can get a feel for how 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 effective they are in merchandising on on, on the product category size, the penetration they have in the market. So you have, uh, for example, in consumer electronics, they have a huge share of market. It's more of a commodity product. You know, it's not it's not something that necessarily needs to be romanced. Um, and but yet, when it comes to other product categories that that require you know, merchandising, finesse, and branding, that's not so much their sweet spot. There's a reason why luxury has not made a big imprint yet in, on Amazon's website. Right. No, that that's right. And this, this we, we could actually, this is, a, I think, a, a lot of um, good good stuff for a future conversation, but I think we, we've reached um, our, our time. So with that, is there anything else that you, you would like to mention uh, on this podcast this morning, Barbara? You know, I have to say, what, which I've said before in stories, and I like to remind people that as much as we talk about online, 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 oh, online's killing retail, online, it's it's not the, it's a kind of not kind of it is the it's not the whole story. It's not the it's not the accurate story. In the U.S., online is about nine or ten percent of total retail sales, which means that 90% is still conducted in stores. I think that that's what I like to really make sure that when we talk about and think about retail, we understand that. And that, you know, to say that online is destroying retail is just a half-truth. And quite frankly, lazy thinking. It's more complicated than that. And still more business is, is, draw, is generated in stores as a general proposition. What's, what's really changing, online is changing the path to purchase. Most uh, purchases are made first via some kind of digital device, most increasingly your smartphone, where you're researching, you're looking, and then, you know, then we take it from there where the actual sale happens. So I think that it's important to remember that stores are still the juggernaut of shopping, but technology is the enabler, and that's what the huge change is. Sure. Well, well that that's... Well put. I, I, I think that, that that really captures the spirit and zeitgeist of what actually is happening today. Um, and, and thanks for that. And thank you very much for joining us uh, on today's Brick and Data podcast. Thank you. Thanks for a fun conversation.